Hello and welcome back to the Men You Are Not Alone podcast. This would be episode 9, but I'm going to call it episode 7, part 3, because this is the meat of the issue, I believe, and this is part 3 of it. So I'm going to go off the rails here for just a little bit, so I wanted to make this its own little episode. In the last one, I had, I had wrapped up that that I'm hearing this this what seems to be clearly to me a coordinated assault against men all across the world. Maybe not every nation, but across a very large geographical area, continents. And so I've been observing something that is not random. It is coordinated. And I think it's, is it, it, from what I can tell in listening to men, even listening to women from other nations, other continents, this thing is playing out across a vast, geogra- vast uh, geographical distance, uh, a huge area, and in cultures that are sharply different from one another. So there's no way that so many drivers, independently of each other, could arrive at the same method of attack at about the same time and in the same way without coordination from something that has the ability to do it. And that limits the mastermind, in my opinion, to the spiritual realm. And that's this is where I'm going to go off the rails. And so just bear with me if you want, or you can you don't have to. It doesn't matter. Most of the discussion of the spiritual realm, as I've shared before, I'm a follower of, of Jesus Christ. I have I'm not ashamed of that um, in any way whatsoever. Uh, but I've always been a bit of a square peg in a round hole. It didn't matter. Even in seminary, I was definitely a square peg in a board of round holes. And a lot of times I blended like a fart in church in seminary because I I have this tendency to ask tougher questions sometimes. And it's not because I'm looking to cause trouble, but it's because I think so many times we ask the wrong questions and we, we find ourselves bound by traditions and cultural things, and because we don't get to know people from other cultures or, or other places, heck, even in the United States, we don't, you know, we live on one side of the country, we don't know people from four states over, we don't know people from eight states over from the opposite coast. Um, so we don't realize that that other people think other ways. And that's not threatening, or at least it's not to me, I'm not afraid of that. Like, I, I really like that variety. But, you know, in Christian churches, a lot of Christian churches today, the discussion of the spiritual realm has been completely scrubbed out. And I I watched that in my, um, you know, when I was young, uh, I grew up in a conservative uh, Southern Baptist upbringing. Um, And we actually talked about the spiritual realm quite a bit. It was taught on from the pulpit. It was taught about in our uh, like uh, Sunday classes, um, in our youth groups. Stuff like that. It wasn't some taboo subject of mystery and intrigue and heresy. But I've watched it over the years as my interest in that realm and in its presence and its influence throughout the history of mankind has uh, fanned out over the course of my life. There has been an an opposite uh, shape, an inverse shape of closure in a lot of Christian churches to where it borderlines on heresy to start discussing the spiritual realm and stuff like which is absolutely baffling to me because I won't shut up about it. I don't even care. Uh, but when I look at something that is orchestrated a- around a vast geographical area, uh, 
where I see the drivers doing, saying, attacking, claiming, taking the same approach. That is not something orchestrated from the physical realm. It is too difficult to hold together across that many very diverse cultures, across a vast geography. Um, But the spiritual realm, that is right in its wheelhouse from the way I see it. Um, as for me, like with the spiritual realm, there's no way I can know people without seeing that there's something greater, something eternal, something spiritual inside all of us. Um, you and I may have completely different viewpoints on that and or the existence of the spiritual realm altogether. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I don't all that means is we're different. That's it. We see things differently. And as much as those I know in the United States who profit by division, they profit in wealth and power by creating division and fighting in our culture. They want to see us view each other's enemies because we see things differently. Um, but we have to ignore these soothsayers or the discussion stops. Um, and we're going to have to lead from the bottom up. So um, I believe I, I have a strong sense of belief in the idea of being fellow countrymen in the United States. And that even if we're different, we it doesn't matter. We can have different belief systems. We are going to. We're not cookie-cutter people. Uh, we are all made differently. and But we are fellow countrymen, and I think we can still be unified as a people and see things differently. Maybe that doesn't hold true across all things. Well, in fact, I know it can't hold true across all things. But for these kind of issues, like my focus is about men. My beliefs of the spiritual realm, your beliefs of the spiritual realm, that's not the real issue. The real issue is that something is happening to men. And in my opinion, you'd have to be blind not to see that it is coordinated. And it is it is huge. across Geographically, it's huge. So the purpose of, of this is not for me to explore the spiritual realm or convince anybody of its existence. Um but to understand the context of the things I say, I wanted to make sure that you understood that I do believe in the spiritual realm. I am a, a follower of Christ. I do believe in the spiritual realm. And I do believe in the biblical accounts. I do believe in a whole bunch of the written records over the last 3,500 years from different cultures that that speak of the physical realm, that speak of the spiritual realm, not speak, but they wrote. They recorded somehow of the physical, the spiritual realm, and and. There is a very present theme that runs through that ribbon of of the tapestry of recorded history where spiritual beings, um, to the best of the understanding of the people who are recording it, beings in the spiritual realm can pass back and forth between the physical and the spiritual, and they do it. And it is consistent across cultures that those spiritual beings can influence at least they can influence the behavior, the decisions and the knowledge of at least a portion of us who are at least for the time being, as I see it, uh, chained to the physical realm, maybe not chained to it. I see it as a blessing, but we are in the physical realm and I can't just pop into the spiritual realm. Um, I don't understand it all. The, the realms we see is we describe as physical and spiritual. 
I think they're fairly commingled. They're not entirely independent of each other, but I don't understand it all. I've studied this subject for a very long time, and I would have thought that by now I would have had a more clear understanding, except that it is truly staggering to me. That much I do know. And in listening to men, as they you know, talk, they tell me about their storms or they tell other men about their storms while I'm sitting there. Um, unraveling the fabric of a man's life is real. It's a relatively simple recipe to me. And it only needs one key ingredient to start a negative chain reaction in that man's life. And this is what men have taught me. And so, and like I've said in, in the, the previous two episodes of this, that key ingredient is isolating a man from regular and meaningful connection to other men who bring a positive influence into his life. They're men who listen to him, encourage him. Uh, they let him know if he's slipping from a wise path. Uh, men are not afraid to look at each other and say, stop whining, start doing. But they're men who will stay alongside that man who is going through a storm. Um, when, the, you know, when the storm arrives, it doesn't matter. When the times are good, the men are there too. Um, these are men, you know, they're like brothers. You know, they're like brothers. And when a man, uh, when a man has around him those kind of men, um, he can weather the strongest of storms. Um, but if he can be driven away from that connection, then he becomes an isolated, solitary target, standing alone. And when he's standing alone, he's a whole lot easier to manhandle. And that's why I gave the example of riding Pete into herds of cows, is because you take a collective group of cows, even cows, it doesn't matter. They will not be manhandled in a group, especially bulls and seers. You get them off by themselves. It doesn't take a whole lot to treat a wound or something most of the time on them. But you have to isolate them, make them a solitary target. And that does something to how that animal behaves. It becomes far more docile. And I see this in humankind. And I see this in men. Men have shown me this in their lives over the years. So while drivers are successfully isolating men, um, this is a baffling thing to me. So this is another pattern. So while drivers are isolating men from a connection to other men, they are also positioning themselves to be the source of compassion, comfort, um, to become the compass bearing in these men's lives. And that is a move I believe is intended to conceal the fact that the drivers are the ones actually causing the damage. And I guess this would, it really kind of falls under the realm of gaslighting men, um, men being gaslighted. That's, that's probably what I'm kind of describing. I'm just describing it in the rawest form of what I have observed in hundreds of men. Because their stories are all the same, not all not identical, but I would a, a huge majority of them are almost identical. And so, as I see this destruction that the drivers do by isolating that man from the herd, from other men, and then they set themselves up to be the source of compassion and comfort in that man's life. After causing the damage, this reminds me of like a coyote, uh, a coyote, a coyote going in to a chicken coop. And so when, let's say when when Ed the chicken, Ed's one chicken in the coop. 
when Ed goes outside to get some scratch off the ground or something like that, the coyote goes in and starts sniping all the chickens out of the the coop, but leaves Ed. So Ed comes back into the coop, and Ed's all by himself. All the other chickens are gone. Well, here comes the coyote, you know, oh, you know, gives the chicken a hug, gives Ed a hug, pats him on the back, you know, tells him that he's sorry that all of his friends left, um, you know, but if the chicken needs, if Ed needs some comfort, the coyote is here for him through this painful time. And in my experience, this is what drivers do to men. They go, they go in and they snipe all that connection to men who bring positive influences into their lives. And then they set themselves up to pat the, the man on the back that they've just yanked the rug out from underneath, just damaged, just isolated. They set themselves up as, as being the comforter to them. And then once they've isolated those men, um, let's see, how do I put this? So they've isolated the men. They set themselves up at the source of comfort. Um, and then and then they'll they start moving in the direction of of convincing these men that the reason they're alone, the reason the reason that they're alone, the reason they're isolated is because there's something wrong with them. And this is where the gaslighting part, I guess, would really uh, manifest itself as if there's something like in my circle, because a lot of it is in a Christian context, not always. Um, but a lot of them who come to me, they've grown up in Christian churches. They, that is their, the background that they grew up in. Um, I'm able to relate to that and they don't have to be a Christian for me to relate to them. I can relate to them just as easily the other way. Um, as if they're not, that's not a big deal to me. But then these guys come through the door and they think that there's something wrong with the way God made them. And the drivers will stay on this track by the time the men get to me. Um, there's almost nothing left of these men. They are truly at the end of themselves, and they believe the lie that God made a mistake with them. That there's something vastly, enormously wrong with them. And I have been blessed to meet some of the most fantastic men I've ever met in my life who, when I first met them, swore that they were an absolute glitch or mistake that God made. And when I hear that, it just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And after hearing it hundreds of times, you start to realize, wait a minute, why does this just keep happening? Why does so many men have this perception of themselves? It's because they've, they've been isolated. They've been gaslighted into believing this stuff about themselves. And it is the single most manipulative and destructive cycle I've seen in my 51 years. And I'm seeing it a whole lot these days. I have seen it a lot in the last several years. So um, so these men come through by the time they get to me. So because they've been that connection to other men, that I believe men were wired, that we are wired to have that regular and meaningful connection to other men who bring a positive influence into our lives. Once that has been taken away from them, once it has been slowly sniped off like the coyote in the chicken coop, there's a hole inside of men um, because something of great importance to them has disappeared. It's been taken away, but because they've never been through this, they can't, most of them can't identify what it is. And like any hole, 
you know, things fall into it. And men who come to see me, it's, you know, it's usually their purpose, their sense of purpose, their dignity, um, a man's moral compass, you know, his emotional stability, those kind of things, they've fallen into that hole. And, and I truly believe that if men restore a regular and meaningful connection to other men who bring positive influences into their lives, most of them will correct and reset, reset the course of their lives in relatively short order because I have watched it happen over and over and over. And it is consistently, that is consistently right. An overwhelming majority of the time uh, versus being wrong. All right, I'm going to have to make a part four because I don't want to make these 25 or 30 minute segments. So I'm going to do one more part. I'm going to wrap it up. And hopefully, I don't know. I don't I don't have any expectation. I'm just doing this because it's a burden inside me to do it because I care about men. So anyway, that, that will wrap up episode seven, part three. I'll come back and do episode seven, part four. And that should wrap up the subject of how to undo a man, at least to introduce that subject.